Welcome to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference podcast presented by ESPN and 42 Analytics. This is Jessica Gelman, who along with Daryl Morey co-founded and chair the conference with a fantastic group of MIT Sloan students each year. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed the 2020 Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. My name is Lindsay Solitar, and I'm a first-year student here at MIT Sloan. It's my pleasure to introduce our final discussion of the weekend, a one-on-one with Ennis Cantor. Joining us for this discussion is Boston Celtics Center, Ennis Cantor, and the conversation will be moderated by Howard Beck, senior writer at Bleacher Report and host of the Full 48 podcast. The conversation will run for 45 minutes, and we'll leave 10 minutes at the end for Q&A. If you would like to submit a question, please do so on Twitter using the hashtag OneOnOneWithEnis. We will then select the questions with the top mentions, and they will be asked by our moderator. And with that, I will turn it over to Howard. Thank you. Um, This one? No, I'll take this. Hello. Thank you all uh, for being here. Um, Hope you're all uh, still stocked on Purell. Ennis and and I have have been able to have some of these discussions a couple times, Um, and and every time you and I get together, we we talk about some fairly weighty issues, so let me start it with this weighty issue. Um, What happened to the Celtics last night, and what's been going on the last two weeks, because you guys have been kind of all over the map. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing we just need to do is just stay together. I mean, obviously, it's a a long season, so we're just going to have ups and downs, but I think the most important thing right now we need to do is just just stay uh, focused and just go out there and just... Just do our job. I know. I feel like we believe that we know we can beat everybody on every court, and I feel like we have enough. We have enough in the locker room to uh, go out there and win a, a championship. So all, I, all, all we have to do is just, you know, uh, we, of course we can have some ups and downs, but just stay full focus, man. Just go out there and have, and have fun. All right. Fair enough. Um, on to bigger matters. Um, we've come to know you. Uh, over the last couple of years in NBA circles right. and folks who have followed your career at all or maybe followed you in the news as uh, it, it, kind of an emerging voice among professional athletes and, and as an activist. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, how do you uh, like that label of activist and give, give, give a folks some sense who are maybe not familiar with it right. how you came to, to start exercising your voice? You know, I feel like because what I was doing, what I was doing way bigger than basketball, I feel like uh, till my the third year in, in NBA, all I cared about was just going out there and play basketball, right? And then I remember it all started, there was a big uh, corruption happened in my country, home, home country, uh, Turkey. And then I was like, you know what, I, maybe I should say so, something about it. And then I remember tweeting something about it and then become a viral in America and uh, Turkey. And then people were talking about it and uh, it, become a, it became a, a conversation. And then I was like, you know what, I was like, I have a voice and I need to use it in a good cow. So that's why from now, uh, after that, I was like, I just need to, I was like paying attention to uh, details more. What's going on in my country, what's going on in America, what's going on all over the world. So after that, probably I'll say when it all started in uh, 2013. And I don't want to maybe assume too much um, on the part of the, the audience. So I'll, let me just like put this as an open-ended question. Can you explain to people What's going on in, in your home country of Turkey? Yeah. Why you have needed to exercise right. your voice? Well, I mean, like I said again, with the uh, corruption that uh, happened after that, you know, it's, 
It's very sad because if you look at what's happening in my home country, in Turkey, there is no freedom. There is no freedom of speech. There is no freedom of religion and expression. There is no democracy. And uh, there's no human rights. And um, so just because of I had this platform, I was trying to use this. I was trying to be the voice of all those innocent people who don't have a voice uh, out there. So I was like, uh, so like I said again, Turkey right now, if you look at Turkey, Turkey is the number one country in the world that put most journalists in jail. Feel like over to, or over to 300 journalists just because of they're doing their job, and um, you know there's lots of you know innocent women are jail, lots of babies are growing up in, in their jail with their mothers. So I was like, you know what, I need to go out there and say something about this, and then after that, that happened. Um, there's never uh, uh, you know actions like this taken without some risk of consequences. Right. And you have had your share of consequences. And just as a, a short list here, um, your passport was revoked by Turkey in 2017. Yeah. You were uh, detained in Romania yes. that same year. Um, you've been threatened with jail. Mm -hmm. Your father has been in indicted, I think is still awaiting? Yes, actually his uh, court date is March 19. So yeah. in like less than two weeks, he's gonna go to court. And if they find him you know, guilty, he's gonna be in prison for five and a half years. So there's been obviously a lot that's gone with this um, for you, for your right. family. When you first decided, I, I, I can't stand by, I need to say something, right. did you consider where this might take you, with the, the, the risks to you and, and your family, or did you feel that, you know what, I, I just have to say this regardless? I'll just, I'll just say this, I didn't know it was gonna be you know, this much. But like I remember first time I started talking about these issues, of course, like you said, it affected me and my family. And uh, you know, my dad was a genetic uh, professor. He got fired from his job just because of I talk about, you know, I want freedom and democracy in my country. My sister went to medical school for six years. Now she cannot find a job because she carried the last name. Um, you know, my little brother was playing basketball uh, in Turkey, and he literally got kicked out every team that he's been on because of the last name. And then, you know, it affected me and my family. And my family members were keep getting fired from their job, so they had to put a statement out there and said, we are disowning Ennis. I remember going to a practice that day. It was one, probably, one of the most, probably one of the most awkward days in my life. And uh, you know, after that, when they put the statement out there, Turkish government really didn't believe that. They sent police to my house in Turkey, and they raided the whole house. And they took every electronics away. They wanted to see if I am still in contact with my family or not. And if they were to see any text message, any email, any Miss calls, you know, they will be all in trouble. So last time I was in Turkey, it was back in 2015. And um, last time I actually communicated with my family, I can't even remember. Wow. Um, how do you stay in contact? How do you get any news from, from back home? So my brother, one of my brother plays basketball in Spain. I plays professional basketball. So I, just because of he's not in Turkey, I, I communicate with him and ask him like, how was mom doing? How was dad doing? He sent me pictures sometimes of my mom and dad. It's like, I look at him and I'm like, oh, my dad gained weight. My mom is getting old. Because I mean, if, if you don't see him for so long, you know, you can tell the, the, the difference. But uh, my sister got married a year ago and I'm, I couldn't even call her and say congratulations. But um, if, of course, it's, it's, it's very sad because like you said, you know, they, when they revoked my passport uh, back in 2017, and um, it was very sad because a lot of people are asking me, where are you from? I really don't know what to answer because the, 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 the country that I'm from don't even want me. They think I'm, a, I'm this bad guy and talking against his uh, country. But uh, 
it's, uh, it's, it's very sad. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you balance that? How do you reconcile it for yourself? And, and yeah. how, how do you continue to be uh, so outspoken on these issues? And I know, like, you know you've, on your, your Twitter account is, mm -hmm. is, is very active. Right. I see you, um, you're meeting with uh, members of Congress in right. the U.S. You're, you're kind of trying to rally folks to the cause. But at the same time, every time you step up your, your, your activism and your voice, there's, it's that much longer that it may be before you can return to normal, and uh, even in, in terms of your, your family communication. Right. You know, a lot of people are asking me like, this one question. You know, the, I remember you know, the, uh, my past teams that I, I play for, you know, the players were asking me, coaches are asking me, or like the fans, like, are you crazy? They're just telling me, excuse my language, just keep your mouth shut. You know, just make your money and live a happy life. But they don't understand my family is only one. There are 1,000 families out there. Their situation is way worse than mine. And if you look at all the reports, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, Human Rights, Watch, Human Rights Foundation, you know, there are 17,000 innocent women are in the jail right now getting tortured and getting, you know, uh, getting raped. And there are lots of babies are in the jail growing up with their mothers. So, like, when I talk about these issues, people think that I only talk about my family. But... You know, if I just keep, keep it quiet, my family might be okay, but um, it's way bigger than my family, way bigger than myself. Of course, like when you talk about these issues, you're never gonna get big endorsement deals, you know, because like a lot of the companies will be scared to even give you a deal because they have something to do with Turkey, you know, mm -hmm. or um, you know, you're never gonna get big contracts or being, you know, all, actually only deal I had, I don't want to lie, only thing I have is a beef jerky deal. <laughs> it's just very funny. <laughs> That's the only deal I have. But although like the shoe companies and everything, they're, they're scared. And, uh, but I think, like I said, it's uh, way bigger than that. Are they direct about it? When, the, when, when the possible sponsors are, are, are recoiling, are they actually saying specifically, oh, yeah. listen, we can't, you're, you're, I'm sorry, you're toxic? I actually, I, I, I probably, I didn't tell this to in many places, but I remember like, my agency is one of the biggest agents in America, and uh, I remember I'm like, how come I don't have a shoe deal? You know, because like 90, probably 98% of the whole league has a shoe deal. I'm like, they said, oh, we're just talking all every shoe company, and we recently just talked to Nike. They said they love you, they've been following you, they want to give you a contract, but just because of what's going on in Turkey, they're scared because they don't want to go against the whole country for just only one player. So it just, it's, it's pretty sad. Yeah. Um, are you still receiving death threats? It's actually, we were just talking about it just today with, our, with my team security. I'm like, every time I leave my house, there's like a cop car waiting outside. And uh, it's, it's probably like, I probably get probably uh, two or three death threats a week, probably on social media. I know people are taking, telling me, like, are you taking him serious? I'm like, of course you gotta take him serious because of, you know, those are death threats. I remember when I was playing, last year I was playing for Portland uh, Trailblazers. You know, I, all this sort of stuff like, uh, were happening and I was getting a lot of uh, threats. I actually sit down with FBI and told them about some of the stories that you know, I experienced. They said, okay, uh, when I was in a road game, I was staying at a hotel. They actually came to my hotel and set up this thing. It calls panic button. They said, whenever you feel threaded, whenever you feel uncomfortable, push that button and we'll be there in two or three minutes. Hmm. I always wanted to push it. I never pushed it. I always wanted to try it and try to time it. But it's like, it's, it's very sad what's going on because just uh, this year, me and one of my teammates, Taco Fall, went to the mosque this uh, probably like four, four or five months ago. And there was two guys was waiting outside for me. 
and there were just, there's actually a video out there. And whenever we left the mosque, they were just harassing us, yelling at us, calling me a traitor and stuff. And uh, you know, people don't understand when I talk about these issues, people think that I don't like my country and people are wrong. I love my country, I love my flag, I love my people. That's why I'm doing this. My problem is with the regime in Turkey. Yeah, with Erdogan. Yes. When you, when somebody is accosting you coming out of the mosque, do you just assume that these are, are these agents of the state? Are these agents of Erdogan? Are these just uh, passionate Turkish nationals? Like, who are these folks who are threatening you? People, you know, this they're definitely the Turkish uh, president Erdogan's people. Because I mean, I've been, I mean, there's lots of like, and I actually should pull up my phone and show you guys right now. You know, they're saying, hey, we're watching you, we're following you, you're going here. You actually, they're giving me uh, a places that I've been like, wow. say I went to this coffee shop, right? I get a, you know, uh, Instagram message three hours later and say, oh, we just saw you in this coffee shop, watch out, you that's, know? That's so freaky, like, is, that's scary. Very, like, yeah. how do you, I mean, this has become almost normal to you though. Like, how do you even get through the day without like getting this, letting this kind of get to you? I'm always with people, you know, even like when I was sitting down and talk to this, you know, just this people, you know, talk to FBI or talk to this, you know, the, our team say security, they said, just, just make sure never stay alone, always be with someone. And whenever you go, Anywhere, you go in a supermarket, you go in a Whole Foods, this and that, make sure you text somebody and you let them know that where you're going. Do you think you're safer in some cities than others? I will say I am safe in America because I'm obviously, it's, you know, it's America. I don't, I don't believe they, got, they can do any kind of operations here. But as soon as I leave America, besides America and Canada, they, they can, because they put my name on Interpol. So that's the other thing they do, that they, they're abusing the Interpol red, uh, notice system. So that's why, uh, that was one of the actually biggest reasons that I have not left America the last two, three years uh, besides a Christmas game that we just had. Yeah, and even in those situations, you've had to kind of, you know, be uh, kind of a, a certain about it ahead of time, right? You had to make certain arrangements and everything. Oh yeah, we actually, so last Christmas, I mean, obviously Christmas game is like, it's like, it's a huge blessing to play on a Christmas day, you know, obviously, and I, I did not want it to miss the Christmas game because it was in Canada. And then Celtics did an amazing job to communicate with the uh, Canadian uh, government. I actually got in touch with the Justin Trudeau's office to you know, say, hey, they said he's good to go. He can come in and play his game and leave. It's not gonna be an issue. You've been around the league a little bit the last couple of years, Celtics this year, uh, Portland and, and the Knicks last year, Oklahoma, Utah. Um, what do teammates say or ask about along the way? Are they curious about this? Do they think you're, you're are they the ones saying you're nuts for, right, for right. doing this and putting yourself at risk like this? How, how do they uh, interact on this? It's first, just because of the family involved. You know, my dad have his, having his court right now. They took him in jail before. They put him in jail for seven days. So it's very personal. So first, probably first couple of months, they don't really want to get into this conversation. It's because it's very personal, very, it could be very awkward, but once, we sit down and just become better friends, I guess. They feel more comfortable asking me about these uh, questions and these conversations. And, um, you know, it's a very, those are very confusing conversations, but I need to sit down and talk to them uh, like one-on-one -on -one at least 30 minutes so they can have a better understanding of what's going on. Because um, you see all over the media, because of, you know, Turkish government puts all over the media, oh, Enes is a bad guy, Enes is doing this and that, and, He's using his platform in a bad way, whatever. But I think I be, the support I get from my teammates and from my coaches, and it definitely gives me uh, so much hope. 
And what about the, the teams themselves? I mean, a lot of teams are, you know, averse, averse to controversy. They don't necessarily right. want to bring that on themselves, yep. that kind of attention. And maybe they see some risk in that too. So when a team like the Celtics, uh, when you have those discussions last summer, um, and it's Mark Bartlestein's your agent, right? So right. Does, does it come, do, do they ask Mark about like, hey, you know, uh, what, what's Ennis gonna do when he's here? And can, you know, can he tone it down? Is there anything like that? We actually sit down, I actually sit down with a uh, few or owners that we, uh, we had and they just said, we just don't care. We are going for uh, freedom. All we care about is just go out there and get those offensive rebounds. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> and, and maybe defend a little? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, but but, but no, no team that you've played for, at least, we don't know about the ones you haven't played for, yeah. who maybe wouldn't have wanted you to, 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 to bring you in, but the ones you've played for, no one's ever said, you know, hey, can you can you? They were very down? respectful. Once, like, like I said again, once I sit down and explain the conversations of what's going on, they were very respectful. We actually had a, the, I think it was like a few months ago, uh, we just played a game, we won, and actually it was the day before the Turkish uh, president was uh, going to uh, come into White House, and I sit down with you know our GMs and coaches and stuff. Say, I said, hey, you know, I need to go to DC, and uh, they said, you do what you do, go ahead. You know, we can watch the film later, you can practice later, but you go, you do what you do. And I, I went to DC, meet, meet with some, you know, lawmakers and stuff. So it just, those stuff like, definitely give me so much hope. And it just definitely, I'm like, you know what? The respect I get from my coaches or, you know, from everybody, it's, it's definitely amazing. One more thought along those lines. So you were a free agent last summer. Uh huh. Um, do you know if there were teams that specifically might have had a need for you and would have liked you as a player otherwise, but thought, you know what, we're going to pass because we don't want to deal with everything else that comes with NS Cantor? You know, I never, I don't, there is probably some teams out there that are scared of those, I believe, but I never heard anything like that before. But the big, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to come to Boston, it was just because of, besides the basketball, you know, this is a very educational and influential town. You know, you know I, people used to come up to me and say, oh, hey, good game last night, good double-double last night, whatever, good win last night. But now they come and say, hey, good op-ed yesterday, good article last night. So people know what's going on here. This city is way bigger than basketball. Yeah. Have you always been this outspoken? Like if we met NS Cantor at age 15, were you like whatever, you know, uh, you know, are you arguing with your teachers for more recess or something? <laughs> yeah. I mean, were you always outspoken? Um, I was, you know what, actually no. no. Now, all I care about, you know, like, I said, like I said again, all I care about was just going out there and play basketball till my th third year. And then my third year I was like, I saw what people were going through. You know, I was like, you know what, God blessed me with this platform. And I only have maybe 10, 12, 15 years to just go out there and just share my message to all those people out there. And why not just use it? Yeah. But you never would have anticipated that you, in, in your adult life and in, in, in the course of your NBA career, you'd be known as much as a political no. activist as a player. No, my God, no. I mean, I, you, you look at the articles about me and it's, it's you see like probably 20% of it is basketball, 80% of it what's going on off the court, Yeah, you know? Different, very different. Um, what was it like, I mean, with, like within your own family? Were you part of a family where like, did you have like some intense debates at the dinner table or was it that kind of like, did, were, did you grow up in an environment where this kind of, uh, uh, you know, just discussion was encouraged? Me and my brothers was always fighting, 
about who's a better shooter or who's a better basketball player, who got the better handles, whatever. But we really, I never really got an argument or anything with my family members or any of my friends. You know, I always like try to take the, you know, the easy way and say, okay, you're right. I know what I know, but okay, you're right. Your way is right too. But uh, like I said, again, I was always like this uh, chill guy. Yeah. A little less chill now. Yes, a little less chill, yeah. <laughs> you got to go for it. Yes. So, but, but so you, this is not who, uh, what you would have expected, but this is what you feel is necessary, essentially. I believe so, yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, what's going on right now in the world, like I said, I feel like what I'm doing is way bigger than basketball, way bigger than all this endorsement deals and all this money and throwing and whatever. Because I, I know what, once I'm done with my career, I want to look back and say how many people that I inspire, how many hearts I touch, how many people that, that I helped, you know? Yeah. So. Um, as you have gone down this path and become more outspoken, and you've, and you've branched out too, you've been, you, you have, I'll, I'll cite it in a minute, but an article in Time recently, you have uh, become um, very, a consistent voice now on a variety of things. Have you met other athlete activists along the way? Are there others that you have looked to for guidance or inspiration? Mm -hmm. Just this past summer, I actually met with Colin Kaepernick. I mean, I feel, I feel like I respect him as a man. What he's doing is I feel like it's so important because he believes in something and he's standing up a tall for it. And, you know, he's, you know he's, he believes in something and he's protesting it uh, peacefully. So I was like, I sit down with him and talk to him. He gave me some ideas oh, and he gave me some experience of what, what he experienced and what he'd been through and stuff. And um, so that's why I would say, you know, uh, Colin. How did that come about? Who reached out to who? Um, so he followed me actually on Twitter and then I was like, wow, Colin followed me. So I followed him back and then we exchanged numbers and I, you know, I was just texting him and just, you know, just keep updating him on what's going on with my family situation and what's going on with the Turkey situation and stuff. And, um, just this past summer I sit down and, and talk to him. He gave me actually a lot of ideas of how, uh, how we can use this platform in a, in a bigger stage. Any particular piece of advice that he gave you that you can share? I feel like the most important thing that he, you know, he told me is just he said never give up. You know, there's gonna be lots of you know people that's who's gonna be with you and who's gonna be against you. So just keep believing what you believe in and just go out there and just uh, always uh, speak loud. Uh, you are not the only Turkish player in the NBA, of yeah. course. Ersan Ilyasova, Furkan Korkmaz, uh, Cheri Osman. Um, I think that's the whole list at the moment, yes. right? Three of them, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what happens when you see those guys? It's actually, first of all, I will say I'm so proud of them, so proud of them. But whenever I see them, just because of they don't want to get in the same picture with me, they have not said a word to me. Whenever, actually, I always try to reach out to them on, say, you know, free throw box out or social media, Instagram messages. but. They have not said say a word to me because they just don't want to get into all this, all this craziness, yeah. because they are scared because they don't know because in Turkey so in Turkey just because of the regime controls the media, in the in the country they are making me look like I am this horrible person, right? They've called you a terrorist. They call me terrorist. Or, or, or have said you were associating with terrorists. Yes, and I answered them. Only thing I terrorize is the basketball rim. And it was actually very funny, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's, it's just, it's so crazy that, you know, those guys are like way younger than me, right? And I always like try to reach out to them and try to talk to them because, I mean, I'm Turkish, they're Turkish, they're trying to represent 
Turkey. I try to represent uh, Turkey in NBA, but like whenever I, I see them or, or I try to talk to them, they go a different way. You know, yeah. they don't they don't want to have to do nothing to do with all this stuff. So you don't even know where they stand on all this, whether they agree, disagree, whatever. They're just True. like they're just staying away. Period. True. I mean, I I, I will say you know once all this settle down. Yeah. I think I will just, they're going to have a better idea of what's going on, but it, I, I'm just, be, just being uh, very patient. I mean, this is probably an unanswerable question, but where do you think this goes? Like, when, how, how and when is this going to settle down? When is this going to become, uh, when the things are going to get back mm -hmm. to whatever normal would be? I have hope. If I didn't have hope, I wouldn't do any of this stuff. You know, I have a hope for my country because, I mean, it's, uh, it's not the country itself. It's the regime. The problem is the regime, so that's why I'm like, uh, that's why I was talking about, I was, I was saying I love my country, my problem is not with my country. So I feel like we have, we, we, uh, we have elections in 2023, so I hope it will change them, but if not, we'll just keep fighting for what's right. Um, I mentioned that you did have a, a piece in Time recently and, and that you are using your voice in other ways. Right. Um, including on behalf of, of women's basketball. So I'll just uh, read a quick passage from, uh, from your piece. Uh, you're noting about the disparity in, in, in pay between the NBA and WNBA right. and also just the way people discuss uh, the leagues. And you wrote, quote, Michael Jordan's flu game is famous for so many reasons, yet Skylar Diggins Smith's playing her entire 2018 season pregnant only led to her getting flack for taking the 2019 season off because of postpartum depression right. so she could return mentally and physically. Um, here are these women playing the same sport we are, receiving less uh, than we do, and not just in pay, it's about being seen as an athlete regardless of gender. What motivated you to yep. speak out on, on this issue? I would just say this. I feel like they don't, they don't get the, the attention that they deserve. You know? So that's why I was like, as a, man, as a you know, NBA player, I wanted to go out there and just, just uh, tell the whole world that this is what I'm thinking. You know, when I put this article out there about equal pay and how NBA, uh, uh, NBA players should be outspoken about all those, you know, the uh, WNBA players, you know, I got a lot of criticized from so many people. But I got, at the same time, I have, uh, we just actually, it was like um, probably two weeks ago, we went to the Kobe's uh, memorial and all those WNBA players were coming there and speaking. I sit down and uh, talk to uh, some of them, I was like, you know what, I feel like what, what I'm do doing is right. It was just amazing to see that they come in there, they're inspiring uh, people. And uh, the one thing that you just read it, you know, just, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's flu game, you know, it's obviously it's legendary and everything they, uh, people are talking about, but this, you know, Skylar Diggins played pregnant entire season and probably none of us knew that, huh? Yeah. And it was like, you know what, I feel like this should, get out there. So I was, when I put this article, I got a lot of messages from WNBA players and they, uh, they were like, we appreciate for your uh, support and, um, and I felt really good. Uh, Kobe in one of his, uh, one of his final interviews, I guess, um, within the last couple of months had actually mentioned, it says there's WNBA players get to complain yes. in the NBA right now. And I think you actually uh, chimed in at some point yes, recently and said you, you agree. Yes, I did. I actually, like, like I said, I believe I believe I believe what Kobe was saying. I think Kobe, what Kobe was saying, right? I feel like there's there are some two, three NBA, WNBA players right now. If you can put them in the league, they can they can compete for sure. Yeah. Um, where else do you take this? I mean, you've you've you have found this voice. You have exercised this voice, <laughs> and you obviously are very comfortable and confident right. in, in using it, and not just as a, as a matter uh, in, in terms of matters of your home country anymore. It's it's about mm -hmm. other things. Are there other 
uh, areas, other issues that um, are, are, are really move, you know, moving you to, to speak out, something else that, that you want to get involved in now that you have taken this platform? You know, I just, so just because of, I start talking about you know, different platforms, I was getting invited actually from so many topics. You know, just a couple days ago, I just got a, you know, invite from sex trafficking. You know, just uh, we, three days ago, we actually did this uh, with a message to the governor about women, women abusing. So I, I was like, you know what? I don't know how long I'm going to play in NBA, four years, five years, six years, but that, in that period of time, I want to go out there and speak about what is right as much as I can because I know once I'm, I'm done with this, the platform maybe might not be the, the, the biggest one I'm done with my career, but that in that six year, years of a period, I, wanna, I don't want to look back and regret anything because what I'm always speaking out of everything is way bigger than basketball. There was a time in this league when guys pursued anything off the court, whether it was political or even just music, um, you know, being in movies, whatever, it's always, ah, oh, it's a distraction, you gotta concentrate. Go yeah. practice your free throws. Yes. Go, you know, go practice your pick and roll defense. Right. Um, is it, does, it, does it ever come into play? I mean, is it, because there's a stress that's associated with this too. Oh yeah, for Clearly, sure. um, how do you balance it all? I mean, now I've been dealing with this probably like six to seven years now. Uh, I will say, I'm not gonna lie, probably my first couple years in the league, it was affecting me because I mean, I was going out there to play basketball, and you see your, one of your best friends just got jailed for six, seven years. I was like sitting down at home, I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna practice, but now, but now basketball is my escape. Whenever I step on that court, it's all about me, my teammates, and just go out there and having fun and try to get a win and play as hard as you can. Because I feel like if I bring any of these conversations in that locker room, it would be very selfish of me. You know, because this is not an individual sport that I play, it's a team sport. So you can have a family problem, or you can have the problems I'm having, or you can have a girlfriend problem, wife, wife problem, but as soon as you step on that court, you have to leave everything aside. It's all about you, your teammates, and your coaches, and the, and the fans. And uh, so that's why I just learned how to switch. Yeah. It's, uh, you can yeah. compartmentalize, it's, right. you know, leave these things. It was and, tough. Like, like I said, again, I'm not going to lie, first couple years was definitely yeah. tough, but now I'm like, I, I know how to, how to switch it off. Um, it's also been reported recently that you were planning to open a charter school in Oklahoma yes. City where you once played. Uh, what is that particular project about? The story is behind this. I remember when I was uh, nine years old, you know, the way I grew up in Turkey was east side of Turkey called Van, V-A-N. And um, there was lots of, lot of poor families, and those families did not want their kids to go to school because all they want their kids to just bring money at home. So that's why I was like, I was seeing those, you know, like a lot of my friends were not going to school, and that broke my heart because I was like, these kids are like nine, 10 years old, shouldn't be working, they should be going to schools. And um, I remember promising my mom when I was nine years old, I was like, mom, if I ever become rich one day, or famous one day, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna open up a school, and so the, you know, the poor families or this or the, can go to those schools. When I was nine years old. And um, when, I, when I, all these Turkish issues were happening, right? America gave me so much. I remember um, I got my green card uh, four years ago, and I was doing this podcast with this uh, lady. I, uh, she said, you know, after you get your green card, if you marry with an American woman, it's only, it's, it's only take three years to become an American citizen. I'm like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> I was like, okay. 
And then the next day, right, I was getting so much marriage proposals on <laughs> social media. I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to wait. <laughs> People are taking pictures at their home and say, okay, this is where you will stay. This is where I will stay. But like, I think I'm, I'm going to wait. But America, America gave me so much. You know, the people in America, the fans, you know, the coaches, teams, NBA gave me and supported me so much. And I feel like this is the best way to give back to America, to educate our youth. Because if you want to have a bright future, if you want to have a, you know, the future that we want, and because I feel like lots of our problems are happening in our world because of uneducated people. So if we can educate our youth, we can have a better and brighter future. So I feel like the best investment that we can have in our future is education. So that's why I wanted to, uh, especially what LeBron did, it really, really inspired me. You know, obviously he's Lakers and we Celtics, whatever, we don't really get along, but <laughs> off the court, I respect him a lot. I feel like what he's doing off the court is, it's just amazing, you know? So he inspired me and uh, after he opened up the I, I, I Promise, I was like, you know what? I, I'm not making what LeBron is making, but uh, I, think, I feel like this is the best way to get back to America. Why in uh, Oklahoma in particular? Obviously, a lot of places you could have opened it up. Right. Is, and well, is this the beginning of, of, of is, are there going to be a series of these? This is actually the beginning. Um, this is actually the because, I mean, I played in Oklahoma two and a half years and uh, went to the Western Conference Finals. I know so many people there. I know the mayor, the senators, and so many lawmakers there. So it just they're just making the process very easy on me. So that's why I was like, this is my first one. Just Get back to Oklahoma. I'm thinking of all the places you've played. Probably the land is cheapest there too, right? There you it's go. The yeah, real estate. That's, that's you know, one of them. Yeah. Got to build it somewhere. Um, you mentioned LeBron. You guys have, have actually uh, you know, tweaked each other a little bit on, on social media and otherwise. There's been like some some fun stuff. But the, I know like you're a big pro wrestling fan too, though. So like I don't know how much of that is just <laughs> just for show for entertainment. Right. But what 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 is the uh, what is that dynamic? I mean, obviously, of course, I hate him on the court because he's so good. Uh, but off the court, like I said, again, I have so much respect for him. But on the court, obviously, you're you going to do everything to get under his skin. It never works, but <laughs> I'm not tired of trying, you know. But it's just, like I said, again, he's one of the best that ever uh, played this game. And obviously, uh, on, on and off the court, he's, he's amazing. But I feel like he can, what he's doing bigger than basketball is inspiring so many people, so, so many people out there. And... Uh, I feel like when he's done with playing basketball, he's not just going to be known as a just, just a basketball player. He's going to be more than just a basketball, more, more than an athlete. That's what he was using. He's just going to be more than an athlete. So that's why you know, he inspired me. I hope he, he will inspire uh, so many other NBA uh, players. He's obviously made that a very much a hallmark of his career, mm -hmm. especially in the last you know, five or so years. Right. And it, it feels like a lot of other guys have followed suit, too. Like in the NBA in particular, it seems like guys are very comfortable now deciding, you know what, I'm going to plant my flag on, on this issue or be active in the community in this way that's not necessarily as, as prominent in the other sports. Yeah. Uh, do you, it, is there, can a line be drawn, actually, from what LeBron has done to you feeling the comfort level uh, or, or even others that you see around the league? I will say so because, I mean, like before people were not wanted to get into politics or want to talk about this issue or that issue. But I think what now is like now Steph Curry or LeBron or some other players are stepping up and they're using their platform to talk about some of the issues going on in our country. And I feel like, you know, because all these kids, all these people are idolizing him. So I, th I feel like what he's doing, he's just, he's, he's just 
doing the things that, you know, educating our youth. So our youth are just going to follow LeBron's footstep or Steph Curry's footstep and, the, you know, some, some other, you know, basketball player's footstep, and they're going to do, do the same thing. So I'm very impressed. Yeah. Um, we've got a bunch of questions coming in, which I'm going to get to in, in a couple minutes, but a couple more from me. Um, you're still on track to become an American citizen next I am. year? Yes, actually next uh, summer, June, uh, June 15. Okay, so. I'm very excited about it. Yes, very excited about it. Um, what, what, if anything, do you think that will change or maybe even help in terms of using your political voice? So I'm actually going to be able to vote. That's one. And second, um, the second thing, I'm going to be able to actually live America. Don't get me wrong, America has been amazing and everything, <laughs> but it's, you still want to go to some other places, you know. The, the reason I cannot go because the, the Turkish government revoked my passport and my name is on, still on Interpol. Uh, so as soon as I leave America, just because of I'm not an American citizen yet, uh, the, the country that wherever I travel, they can deport me back to Turkey. So that's why when I become a citizen, I can just travel wherever. Yeah, so with the American passport, you'll get that freedom back. Yes. But it's, it, safety, I would imagine, would still be a concern, though, once you leave U.S. borders, no? I mean, every, everywhere I go, we always get in like contact with that government, and they always give us a promise, and they say nothing's going to happen. So, yeah. Um, before I get to these, I just because Kobe came up in the course of conversation, you guys didn't overlap by a lot, but um, I've, I've been asking everybody lately just because I'm, I'm, I'm interested in it. Do you have a favorite Kobe memory interaction on the court, off? Uh, well, actually, after I get drafted, uh, Kobe came to, to Turkey. That was when I was allowed in Turkey. So I was, uh, I was actually back in Turkey. Kobe came for some kind of uh, event, and he coached. Uh, a team and I coach a team and after the after the uh, you know the, after the event is done he does he gave me a lot of ideas about how I should take care of my body how the NBA life is how I should you know keep my focus on what, what I need to focus on and then he left and our first regular season game was against Lakers at Staples Center and he just turned around and said what's up Ennis and that actually was out of my career, I'll say, <laughs> because I'm, I'm like, oh my God, Kobe just actually know my name. He remembered me. Mm. So it was, it's just because what he's, what he's done with basketball on and off the court is just, I, I cannot just say it enough. You know, I cannot say it enough. Uh, I think we should all be, you know, uh, blessed to uh, have a player like that. Um, I'm going to jump to the questions early because you guys have had a lot of them um, and there are a lot of good ones here, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw some of these at you. Um, have you seen your activism leading other players to speak out on issues that, that concern them? Have you, I guess have you inspired anybody else to do this? I will, I will just say this. I was actually just in a backstage with, uh, with Jalen Brown. You know, I think what he's doing with his activism, what he's doing, what he's, you know, he's speaking out, speaking out some of the issues uh, going on in our country. And I think he, I will say this, he inspired me too. Uh, I think what he's, he's uh, like I said again, first he didn't know what was going on. And we sit down and had a conversation with him. And uh, he, like he said, he said, how can I help you? And that gave me so much hope, and that made me actually very happy. I will say definitely Jalen Brown. He's actually one of the smartest players I have ever played with. you got a lot of smart guys on that yes. team. I will say Jalen Brown is definitely, yeah. uh, definitely up there. Um, favorite story from one of the Celtics rookies this year? Hmm. 
obviously some Celtics fans in this. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to think. Well, actually, Grant Williams was gonna dye uh, his hair pink. I don't know if you heard that or not. Yeah. I missed that one. He said if we get a three All Star this year, then uh, he's gonna dye, hair, uh, dye his hair pink. But I mean, we didn't. We only got two. So I, I feel say Grant Williams is a very interesting guy. Yeah. He's definitely one of my favorite rookies. He never stops talking. He always talks. <laughs> he always uh, goes there, argues with the refs. I'm like, dude, you're a rookie. You need to just stop you know, arguing <laughs> so much. But I would say definitely you know, Grant, Grant Williams is one of my uh, favorite rookies. And, and it, it is, is, there's no other bets that are going to make him dye his hair pink, though, right? Like, there's not some other... Like, he, is, he made the bet himself. He, he just did. was okay. front of the media one day after the game. He said, if you get three All-Stars, I'm going to dye my hair pink. And everybody was like, okay, it's weird. <laughs> All right. Um, favorite moment in your quest for the WWE 24-7 championship oh. belt? This one's right <laughs> over my head. Yeah. Um, well, it was a little interesting because I mean, I was, I'm a basketball player, and after I signed with the Celtics, I was going through my contract, and they put no wrestling. <laughs> they put that in the contract, actually, no wrestling. But I'm saying it's WWE, it's not really, really wrestling, so I can just... You're not saying you know, it's fake, are you? I did not say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that, but... So, and then I... You know, I was in a, a MSG. I, I, got, I won the 24-7, you know, champion. And uh, as soon as I'm done, Brad Stevens texted me. He's like, very interesting. I didn't know you were, uh, you were interested on uh, WWE. I'm like, yeah, coach. I did not know you were going to watch it, you know, because <laughs> it wasn't my contract. But I'm glad nothing happened. Yeah. No, no calls from Mike Zarin or Danny Angel? No, I'm, I'm glad, no. I'm actually become a, well, planning to become a WWE wrestler after I'm done with basketball. That's, that's post-career? That's yeah. post-career, yeah. Wow. Uh, do you have to have, come up with some whole alter ego for that and everything um, too? Or the, we're still this is thinking about, about the name. Hmm. Um, you want to workshop one of the, one of, it with the audience here? One of the, one of the names that they come up with, actually my teammate come up with that name is Turkish Delight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. Very interesting name. Works. Um, what is your advice for aspiring leaders, not just in basketball, to have the guts to use their voice to make mm -hmm. positive change? Oh, I'll just, uh, you know, I will just say this. Um, don't be scared. You know, don't be, definitely don't be scared. Whatever you believe in, and just stand up uh, tall for it. I mean, if it means, actually, there's a, that's a commercial. I'm taking it from commercial, but sacrificing everything, you know, because I feel like what I'm doing is uh, what we doing is off the court is way bigger than basketball. You know, you get into basketball, play for 48 minutes, it's cool and, every, cool and everything, but it's always ask that question to yourself, how many people that you're inspiring, how many people are you affecting, how many lives you're touching. So the, my thing is that definitely don't be scared and no regrets. I'm going to read this one uh, solely for the uh, comic relief here, and I think it's more of a rhetorical question. It says, I'm a Knicks fan, can you come back to save us, please? <laughs> There's lots of cameras in this. <laughs> but, uh, no, you already I, got I, yourself in enough trouble with the Knicks the last time you were on my podcast, <laughs> no. so we could, you know. I'll just say this, man. Um, all we can do is, I guess, pray for the Knicks from after this point. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but uh, hey, Celtics been amazing, man, obviously. It's winning, winning feels good. After I came to the Celtics, you know, one thing that, you know, they told me, they said, we never tank. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> they said, we never tank, because, I mean, it's, Obviously, just with this winning culture, this, this atmosphere, this you know, crowd definitely gets you going. So with the Knicks, no, 
I'm good. I'm good. I'm good here. I'm happy here. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, on that note, uh, someone's curious about reuniting with Gordon Hayward, who you had played with previously yeah. in Utah. Uh, what's that like getting to, to play? Gordon Hayward. Like first time I hear about Gordon Hayward, you know, first probably I played with him three and a half years in Utah. Probably his haircut. His haircut was one of the most terrible haircut I ever had when, when he was in uh, when he was in Utah. But now he's he's all that GQ look and stuff. <laughs> but but Gordon Hayward is an amazing guy, man. He's um, you know obviously on and off the court, amazing amazing friends. Uh, people are people don't know he's actually very funny. You know people always see this you know very quiet guy on the court and stuff, but he's actually a very talker off the court, very f f funny guy. He's actually one of my really good teammates that I had. There's a lot of hair gel going on there, isn't there? I mean, after you play 48 minutes, his hair is just most still the same. I, I, like, right? Do you, you get hurt like you hit that too hard? Like it just looks like it's... Uh, I'm going to go try to mess it up tomorrow, see if it's... <laughs> you, you should, just to mess with him. Um, <laughs> when was the last time you gave Steven Adams a hug? I don't know if Steven Adams needs a hug, but someone's... <laughs> I'm actually texting him today. We might go out to eat after. Oh, after that's right, this. Yeah, they, we're going to play yeah. against him tomorrow. Uh, Steven is a very interesting guy. Yeah. You know, we had this stash bros going on. I don't know if you guys heard that before, but uh, he lived that. You know, me and him had a stash because I mean, I'm, I really wanted to get like a American culture, and they told me about this November or November, November. no shave November or something. They said, oh yeah, we don't shave in November. I'm like, this is weird. Okay, <laughs> so me and Steven has left a mustache, and uh, it actually became a thing, and it was very pretty funny. <laughs> um. We kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but how do you uh, compartmentalize all this? Like, is there, is there, what do you, what do you do to kind of move on from okay, we're, this, this is what I'm doing right now. This is I'm going to do my political, and then it's time to get to work. It, mm -hmm. Does it, is it, do you actually have to like mentally focus on that? Is there, is there a way to, to kind of psych yourself out to go one direction or the other? Because I know the more success, the more wins we uh, that we want, the more. Uh, more successful that I am in or the, my, my team is, my, the bigger voice that I'm going to have. So that's why every time I'm out there, I really don't care about anything else but just go out there having fun and winning. So that's why it's all about, I think it's all about it's in your mind. So when I, whenever I just go out there, just shut off everything, it's all about, like I said again, you, your teammates, your coaches, going out there, entertain people. And um, like I said again, I don't want to be too. I don't want to be selfish because I don't want to bring any of this conversation in the locker room. Yeah, um, and and yet it does come up at times, right? Because teammates have have asked. They always ask. Yeah, I mean, they always ask because they are worried. Because when they see all these articles out there, when they see oh my name is on Interpol, when when they see that you know about the FBI panic button, when they see you know the all that other stuff, death threats and everything, they're worried for, for their teammates, for their brothers. So that's why they're always asking me all these good questions. But uh, like I said, again, whenever I'm done talking to them, they always ask me the same question, how can we help? Um, which I think kind of dovetails a little bit with this question. Um, how do you cope with the emotional toll of not being able to be with your family or have that support network um, that, yeah. that other players have? So like you. What, what substitutes for that? It's, it's definitely tough, man, because like we are, I mean, NBA life is one of the most stressful and tough life that you can have because all this criticize, all this this and that. But I hear from a lot of my teammates, in the end of the day, it doesn't matter how bad of a game you had. When you go home to your family, to your kids, to your wife, whatever, then 
you forget about everything, right? See, I don't have that. I go home and I say, who can I reach out to? Who, which, which lawmaker I can reach out to and tell them about my story so maybe we can pass a legislation in the Senate or we can pass a bill in a house. So my, it's like, I feel like after a while, you just don't feel anything. Hmm. All you have to do is just go out there and ask the one question to yourself, how can I help people? You've been making the rounds at, at, you know, in the Capitol, and you've met with a, a lot of legislators. Right. What are you hoping to get uh, out of them in particular? Is it just a matter of putting pressure on, on Erdogan's regime, or is it, it, what, do you, what do you hope to, to get from them in terms of support or change? So, the, so there is different kind of, so the one bill, one legislation we're trying to pass in the Senate is a, the Turkey Human Rights uh, Act. That act is, uh, freeing all the political prisoners in Turkey. The other one is I'm doing it with another senator is about Interpol. And another one I'm doing it with a congressman is, you know, just uh, trying to help all the Kurdish people out there in Turkey. So whenever I go out there, I always try to, you know, just try to do some kind of, try to pass some kind of bill, try to meet with this, you know, both sides, Republicans and Democrats and, you know, all these people. And when I tell them about my story and all these issues going on in Turkey, they always stop me in the middle. And they said, don't worry about it. We already know all these conversations. How can we help you? Just this past summer, I was actually meeting with uh, Mr. You know, Bill and Hillary Clinton. And um, they were actually, they were the one giving me some ideas. And how can I help all these people in uh, Turkey? They said, okay, you had this platform, people know your story, but wh why don't you just bring more people into your platform and show the whole world that what's going on to them, but not just you. Hmm. So they were just giving me some different uh, kind of ideas and everything. So it just, it's been uh, very helpful for sure. Um, on a lighter note, who's the best trash talker in the NBA? Uh, so I've been in the league for nine years. I will say it was Kevin Garnett for sure. It was definitely for Kevin Garnett for sure. But now I will say, I'm trying to think, probably, probably Draymond Green is probably up there. Definitely, probably Draymond Green is pretty up there. I'll, I'll probably say him, yeah. He, he trashed uh, Charles Barkley pretty well yesterday. He did, yes, I did see that, yeah. <laughs> um, I did see that. <laughs> I, I think your, uh, your uh, discussion of the marriage proposals has possibly uh, sparked this one. Uh, yeah. Will we see you on The Bachelor anytime soon? <laughs> Were the TV show The Bachelor? Yeah, I, I, I know yeah. about that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna tell you guys a very funny story, actually. So when I become, so when I actually came to America, uh, I was going to college. I I was like, you know what? I really want to get this American culture. So I was going to McDonald's. I was like doing all this American stuff, right? I saw one of my friends. I'm like, where can I learn the street language, right? This guy said there's a show called Jersey Shore. <laughs> no, I swear. <laughs> They said, you start watching that show, you're gonna become an American. I'm like, I have no idea what Jersey Shore is. So I went to my you know, dorm, you know, I went to my dorm and started watching, I, I turned the TV on and started watching this uh, Jersey Shore. I was watching Mike the Situation, Suniki Pauly D and all that stuff. I'm like, this is the weirdest show ever, but I got addicted. So I'm actually right now really good friends with Mike the Situation. We text on Twitter and stuff. I swear, like we text on Twitter, he likes my stuff, I like his stuff and it is very weird. I did not see that coming. Yes, Jersey Shore. Please don't, please don't hold that show against us. Uh, it's, okay. uh, it's not representative. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was my friend's fault.
<laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, time for a few more here. Um, since we are at an at, 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 cannot speak at an analytics conference. Say that five times fast. Uh, as a player, what are your interactions with uh, the analytics staff? Obviously, Mike Zarin, the assistant GM, is yeah. uh, quite uh, the uh, devotee of uh, of the numbers and uh, a fixture at, at this conference. Um, so, what what is the information exchange like between that uh, the analytics staff and the players for the Celtics? I would just say this. I was just on Jalen Brown's, you know, account. he was just giving like a uh, Jalen Brown's conference. I was just I was talking to Mike Zarin and uh, some of the people that, you know, in this conference. It's very interesting, very, very interesting because now all this analytics, all this numbers and everything, I feel like the game is, is becoming, you know, next level. You know, the players are now, it's, I feel like it just, it just uh, putting the game in a next level, you know, the players are becoming even better now. And I will say, I will say this: It's uh, I did not know all the analytics or numbers, anything till this year. I learned all this in Boston. Hmm. Till every team I play for, Portland, OKC, or you know, New York, and everything, I did not. We did not have any of this. Really? Or maybe we did that I didn't know about. But here now, all this the, the, the you know the people we had, you know the GMs that we had, all this you know the you know the all the guys we had, they are educating players. And it's very interesting to hear about some of those stories. I'm, I'm impressed. Has it changed anything in terms of your own game as, as they come to you with something where you said, oh, you know what, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take more of this shot or I'm going to position myself here? Every after the game, they're sending us clips. Every after the game, they're giving us some, you know, like little details that I will never know. But I think, yes, it helping us, it, it helping our game a lot for sure. I'm surprised that the, uh, just as you run down the list, like Oklahoma is a place with Sam Preste, I would have thought would have been very much. Maybe we had it, but I didn't know about. But they were, they were here, sneaking it into the scouting report. Maybe, but like here is definitely off the charge. I mean, I, it's definitely amazing. Maybe it's Boston, that's why. There was an interesting so the discussion earlier in the afternoon um, where they were talking about, you know, obviously the, just the uh, emergence of mm -hmm. uh, the three-pointer and everything else and Biggs shooting threes and Biggs playing more like Smalls. And Sue Bird actually said, I'm afraid for us, the, the smaller players, because if the bigs can all do the stuff that we do, right? is there something to that? I, I mean, just the game is changing so much, man. I mean, now, I remember first time I came in the league, it was, there was so many back-to-basket players. But now you see that you're gonna be able to do everything. You're gonna be able to do roll, pop, shoot threes, play post-up, face-up game and everything. But so, like I said again, game is changing so much, so you're just gonna be able to adjust your game to that new game. A yeah. um, couple more before we wrap. Uh, what lessons would you give to athletes taking on social causes? What would you uh, advise them or tell them to maybe do differently? I would just say this, man. Just like, like I said it before, don't be scared. I would like all these problems that you know, we are uh, experiencing just because of our you know, maybe leaders or the, the people who have our platform are, were not speaking about these issues. But now with all the social media, all this internet and everything, we have a huge platform. So use this platform, not just basketball players, football players, actors, singers, rappers, because all these kids are idolizing you. All these kids are following your footsteps. So just go out there, talk about the importance because you live in this country. So talk about these issues and um, you can have a, try to fight for better future. And then we'll leave on, on this one. Uh, when, are you bring, when, when are you going to bring a championship to the city of champions, says the <laughs> out there. That's a very good one. Uh, well, I, I, this year, I hope, you know, because that's the goal. 
Because, that, because I believe in because a lot of people are asking that question always like, hey, you know, if you can do it or not. I mean, I, I say this every time, man. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't sign with the Celtics. You know, that was one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to, you know, come and sign with the Celtics because of the, you know, the championship. Uh, because I feel like we can have enough, we have enough in that locker room to go out there and win a championship. But all we have to do is just build that chemistry and just go out there and just, um, just have fun. As a fan of lobster rolls, I am all for a deep run by the Celtics <laughs> that gets me back here there a few more times. So, uh, Ennis, this has been fantastic. Thank it, you man. very much. Thank you so much. Thank you all. This recording is the property of 42 Analytics and may not be published, broadcast, rewritten, or redistributed without the express written consent of 42 Analytics. Any opinions expressed by panelists are their own and do not represent the beliefs of the conference, 42 Analytics, or the MIT Sloan School of Management. 42 Analytics Educational, Inc. reserves all rights in the content.